you're listening to Rough Thoughts, a podcast devoted to the Jesus of the Scriptures and to rediscovering Him and His good news of the kingdom. You will hear testimonies, stories of the God of the heavens and the earth at work in ordinary lives. You will be presented with the grace and truth in Jesus. Get ready for the adventure. This is Ruck Thoughts. My name is John. I have my good friend here, uh, Doug Overmeyer, both friends on Facebook. And uh, <laughs> I really hope that we become really good friends over the course of time. That'd be a blessing. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Let people know who you are. They don't already know. Oh, well, hi. So I'm Doug. And uh, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of known for um, this little website called crc.com, CRC Ministry. Um, and I suppose we'll talk a little bit about that. Nice. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. Well, looking forward to it. Um, would you like to open us up in a word of prayer? Sure. Let me just, uh, yeah. Um, have, Heavenly Father, actually, Holy Spirit, just show me how to pray. Show yes. me what to pray. Yes, God. So, Heavenly Father, I, I invite your invite your presence and your guidance mm-hmm. um, and your peace. Mm-hmm. Lead us in the direction you want the conversation to go. There you are. And uh, let this podcast and our thoughts and those who join it later, let us all fall um, under your rule and reign. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So why don't you just share uh, your story, Um, you know, who you are before Christ, when you met Christ, (laughs) during, you know, now that you're walking with Jesus, um, anything you want to share along those lines and just take it from there, brother. So, you know how some people, they have, they had this amazing testimony that, uh, you know, they were a drug addict or they were, uh, and then they were rescued from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have an incredible testimony. I have an absolutely incredible testimony. Amen. My great grandfather was a church planter mm-hmm. on my mom's side. Pentecostal church planner. And on my dad's side, they were devout Catholics going back as far as family knows. And I was raised in a loving Christian home. My dad and mom, um, it was not a union that either family wanted. <laughs> Pentecostal marrying a Catholic. It's pretty funny. Right. Uh, if you think about it, um, uh, but anyway, dad converted really to, to, to mom's, um, tradition. And, um, anyway, I grew up in that environment and attending a church, a Pentecostal church, um, of a certain tradition I, I don't fall in now, but I grew up learning all about the Bible every three days a week, Sunday or three, three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, we went faithfully and, uh, even though I have parted ways from certain theological positions of that church, I am so grateful. I mean, what a blessing. What a, that to me is an incredible blessing. Uh, I was raised in the church and I was a believer in Jesus Christ for as long as I can remember. I made a, a faith. I made a, within the, the confines of that tradition, I would have said I got saved in 1988, my freshman year in high school. Well, I just told you how old I am. 
and um, and then um, I did some works-based salvation things at that time. And then later I, I got baptized again whenever I had a revelation of God's grace. Um, when I came out of that tr- tradition, the Lord just showed me. <laughs> i never forget, man, actually. Um, we won't, I guess maybe I won't go down to that whole, that tradition, but I was struggling with God's grace, <clears throat> having grown up in a tr- tradition that taught basically that the few people who believe exactly that way were getting saved and all the other Christians <laughs> weren't, you know, mm-hmm. and I just remember I was just wrestling with it. And because my, my thinking was did Jesus really die on the cross so that people in that tradition had to follow certain rules to be good enough to get raptured away. Mm-hmm. And that that's why I struggled with that. I like, I just couldn't reconcile what I was reading in the new Testament with what I was raised in. And I was just driving where my wife and I were in Chicago. We, we live in central Illinois. Uh, we met here, got married here. I should just tell you how we met. This is great. I've been married for 20, it'll be 26 years uh, this month. Congratulations. And thanks. As you probably were, cool. marriage is tough, but it's, yes. it's worth fighting for. And I, and I always say, uh, Tolkien, Tolkien said that we men always marry up, right? And I completely <laughs> agree. I completely agree. We we marry up. Anyway, um, my wife, my wife. So in high school, in college, my wife made a sort of a strong commitment to the Lord. She grew up Christian, but maybe wasn't terribly committed. And then she gave a strong commitment in college, her freshman year in college. You know, people had this idea that people go to college to party. A lot of people go to college to get saved, actually. Um, I was at a church in um, in Champaign-Urbana, and they were baptizing a bunch of people. And all these college students just said, I came here to University of Illinois to party, and I met Jesus. You know, (laughs) like if you would have taught me, if you'd have told me I was going to get saved, I would have laughed. You know, came here an atheist, leaving a devout faith follower. But anyway, Amy wasn't an atheist. She was definitely a believer, but she really made a commitment her freshman year in college. And she came um, back to this hometown over the summer and wanted to maintain that, not fall in old patterns, right? And she started a Bible study, and she called me one day, and we weren't uh, we weren't really friends, but she knew I was a Christian, so she called me and said, "Hey, I'm starting this Bible study," and I'm like, "You, you're starting a Bible study?" <laughs> and uh, she said, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Okay, cool, I'm part of it." And so we would we actually drove, up, you know, we drove to where it was being hosted, about 10, 10 minutes away, you know, both college students were trying to save on gas, right? And sort of talking and talking and, and next thing you know is, you know, when I would bring her home after the Bible study, we did the book of Ephesians. I, we stopped in the park. We just keep talking all night. And I remember, i never forget the moment I was like, huh, she, she could be it. This is it. I mean, this, this is, the, you know, I wasn't even looking for a spouse. I was, you know, it was just like in the dating scene, the high college dating scene. I realized, wow. So anyway, uh, yeah, we eventually got married and, and we eventually moved to Chicago and I was driving. If you don't know anything about me, if you ever read my first book, Peace in Your House, you know I like rabbit trails. I like rabbit trails. Me I too. just follow the ghost. So I've, I've said like three rabbit trails and just sorry, listeners. That's how, that's how I roll. Anyway, I was driving. I'll never forget. I was driving and I just it just like God gave me a revelation of grace. I went from workspace to grace space. Uh, faith and um 
and, and, and literally, I was just driving, just thinking, and then bam, it just hit me. It just hit me. I couldn't, I can't even give you a ration. I can't rationalize it. And I just like, man, the flowers by the street were brighter. The grass was greener. The sky was bluer. You know what I mean? Everything was just different. It was just, you know, grace. And, you know, I've been leaning into that ever since. And um, that was, you know, that was before we even had kids. And so grew up in that tradition. Um, We, uh, so to me, that's a wonderful testimony. You know, I never, I had a crisis of faith in high school. um, And it was, it was because of how I had been taught to read Genesis one and what I was being taught in school. And about that same time, I, I was taught as a young Oats creationist or how, how to read it. And at that same time, this is my, this is in high school. Um, I was, I had read, I was reading, I love books. So at the bookstore, I'd be, I came across this book called Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And this is, by the way, I've not shared this with anybody on any podcast and not in the book. So sure. Holy Blood, Holy Grail, um, which you may know is a Gnostic a Gnostic uh, book. Um, I don't think I heard of that book in particular, but um, please, absolutely share. He inspired. <laughs> he inspired a certain author who wrote the Da Vinci Code, right? That's okay, that's yeah, like the source material uh, for it. Well, anyway, the, the gist of what I read was that the crucifixion had been faked, and mm. you know, and I, I won't go into the the arguments because it. it it almost blew me out. It blew me out of the faith between the evolution and the whole Gnosticism. Having read that, it just just blew me right out. Except I had, I had spoken in tongues, uh, yeah. Pentecostal. And it was after I had been saved, and so I, I couldn't. I knew I didn't fake it. I knew it was real. Mm-hmm. So I was rec- trying to reconciling. I was trying to reconcile this supernatural thing with my complete lack in, of faith in the Bible, and it was a very dark time in, in my. Um, young walk of about six months. Um, and then I ran across in the library um, some young earth creationist uh, material, young earth creationist material, which my church hadn't taught me. They just taught me how to, how to read it, Genesis 1 a certain way, and evolution right. was a lie. And, um, and so I came across this, and it restored my faith in how my church taught me to read Genesis 1. And that was the first step, as well as encountering stuff that that sort of Mm -hmm. fixed my thinking regarding the Gnosticism um, of of really getting back to faith. And, and I, I, you know, just full disclosure, I'm not a young earth creationist. I'm not a young earth creationist now. I don't, I don't read Genesis 1 that way. But I will say I will never attack young earth creation ministries. Because there's a place, there's a place, there's a place for me without Young Earth Creationist Ministries, who knows where I would have been, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, you can blame the church I grew up in, how it, how, it, how it read Genesis 1. You know what? Millions of Christians read Genesis, Genesis 1 that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the right way. Don't care. <laughs> I, I, that's not where I'm at. Um, I, I'm not going to argue over how to read Genesis 1. So, um, I'll, when I, with my kids and when I was a youth pastor, um, the, uh, what I taught the students, I, I would teach them at least four ways to read it. 
here's one way. Here's, and I, I would teach all five, four. And I say, I lean one way, but you know what? Figure it out yourself. There's one way to talk about Jesus. There's at least four ways to talk about Genesis one. Right. Uh, you know, like, let's just get our priorities straight. You know, there's one way to talk about the cross. Well, the cross is a big thing, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's one way to the father, that's Jesus, but there's many ways to Jesus, man. There's lots of paths to get to the Lord. So Jesus used all sorts of weird things to get to him. Anyway, we had, when we moved, we had our first child up in Chicago and we moved back to central Illinois where my family is and my wife's family. This is about 2001. Remember this little thing happened in September of 2001 here in the U S sort of shook the worldview of a lot of us and family was not a huge priority for me until September of 2001 when suddenly family became a lot more important. And I was working downtown Chicago. I was working for the Red Cross at the time in disaster services. Mm-hmm. And I just never forget calling my sister who worked in the Aon building, which is a big white wow. building on the coast of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And at about nine 30 that morning and she was crying. And because Aon had 200 employees in the world trade center. I didn't know that mm-hmm. at the time, but she was crying. And I said, Beth, you need to get out of town. You need to get out of the building right now. There's one plane. They don't know where it's at. That was the one that crashed in Pennsylvania, but we didn't know. So everyone was downtown Chicago was evacuating. And you know, that's like my first thought was to call my wife. Say, don't come into the city. And the second thought was call my sister get her out, get out of town and we're all evacuating. And anyway, through that whole experience, right? Working on that disaster response made me think differently about family. And so when we had our first child, we moved we moved back home, be close to my parents, my wife's parents. And uh, and again, part of my testimony is my wife's parents are together. My father in law passed away this year, last year, but they were together Sorry, the that. whole time. And mom and dad have been together their whole time. And that is an incredible gospel story, if you ask me. Amen. Which he did, so that's why I told it. <laughs> and I thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate just you know the vulnerability and just just and the work of God in 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 your life, in your family's life, and I I love to hear that. I love to hear how you know God's God's sovereignty, God's uh, providence and his invisible work, even when we're not, when we're not aware of it, you know, and mm-hmm. that's just awesome. I'm, 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 I appreciate you sharing. And I, I appreciate you sharing how he used something like, you know, young earth creationism to save mm-hmm. your faith. You know, he, he intervened in my life in a similar way when it came to high school, I, I did, mm-hmm. I did lose my faith in high school. So mm-hmm. I can relate there. Really it's so funny. It. The grace, the church, I we ended up in, we, um, they showed that we ended up at a, a big vineyard in Champaign-Urbana, and then we were part of a multi-site. And this multi-site was full of people who uh, came out of the, sort of the Amish Mennonite tradition. And so they held a certain reading of Genesis 1. And, that, and I still did at that time. But the vineyard right. didn't hold that. They didn't even teach it. You know, and I, I wasn't even aware, actually, until later. It's kind of funny if you think about it. But they had grace for it. They didn't, like, they had grace for different positions of 
things like that. The leaders, in fact, they had so much grace. I took the youth group at this multi-site to the Creation Museum. And it was funny that I didn't charge the students enough money. So I ended up losing money on the trip and the church just covered it. <laughs> you know, so they never, they never brought it up. I did the math later. I thought, oh my gosh, like, I was way off, you know, but, yeah. and then at some point um, they were teaching temple cosmology, which we don't need to get into that, but they were teaching a different interpretation of Genesis one from the, from the front. And I was just like, so mad. It was like, and later I came to accept that view as a, as a great reading and, I just thought, boy, what grace that those leaders of that church showed. <laughs> yeah. One, letting me take the students there, and two, um, just covering the cost when I didn't charge enough money. <laughs> that, I, I, you know, from from the body of Christ, it's just amazing how I was brought to tears on more than one occasion, and especially specifically one I remember a friend of mine, um, and he, I won't go into the details, but he literally. He literally inter God used them to intervene and like um, help me when I was like home. I was I was like, I was pretty much homeless. I was couch surfing. I didn't have a job. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hold a job because of my brain condition. And mm -hmm. um, and before the you know before I had any kind of help from the VA or anything. And um, he, I mean, I did help. I did have help from the VA, but not like not like where it is right now. Thank God. But like back then, I was struggling, and he literally. Uh, offered me a job and, 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 and not just that, but he like, he, he, he just gave me extra cash, gave me a place to stay. And he was like super hospitable. And uh, I think he and his wife were dating at the time. And uh, anyway, uh, really, really uh, beautiful couple. And I, and I hope I can reconnect with them in the future. I mean, just, that's just one example of many of, of, of the body of Christ and the Holy spirit working through people and, and moving mm -hmm. them and, you know, I, I will never forget those things forever, ever. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's go ahead. No, sorry. I, my, I do rabbit trails too, but mine are a lot faster. So. Oh I yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I'm not sure that's a good thing or not. Let's <laughs> lean on that a little bit. Well, I, we had our first child. I'm going to go into the whole seer thing here. And sure. um, we had our first child and it, it wasn't very long before we realized that she was seeing things that we couldn't see and mm -hmm. responding to things we couldn't see things that terrified her, like mm -hmm. literally pointing to the corner of the room, screaming, there's a dragon, there's a dragon, mm -hmm. you know, um, we're like, there's nothing there or pointing to the porch, the, the patio door. Who's that man? You know, and there's nobody there. And, um, eventually just, just terrified to be alone with at night in her room and, Mm -hmm. um, just lots of experiences and didn't have a grid for it. I mean, not really. Yeah. yeah I was of faith, but didn't really understand. Haven't, didn't really know anything about this. And about that time I was volunteering at a, at that church I mentioned where I was a youth leader, I was a volunteer youth leader and, um, I had a student come up to me and just say, I see things. You know, and she was pointing out that she saw a spirit behind me, actually, that was following me, been following me since I got into the building. And I was just like, how do you, what are you talking about? Like, what is this thing? You know? And so I really struggled to come up with a grid to interpret um, people who see spirits, what it is they're seeing and why. Um, and that's, you know, when you, you Google back, this is back 2008, right? 2009. Um, you'd Google things back then and 
it just be pagan websites or new new age websites or right. maybe a parenting forum where lots of people will say, yeah, my kid does too. And, you know, I don't know. Um, my wife is a mental health prof- specialist and she's a mental health professional working with children. Mm-hmm. And she could tell that, you know, our daughter was not mentally ill. Mm-hmm. She just could see things. She could see spirits, you know. And that's not to say that there is there is a place for the mental health field because not everybody who sees spirits really does. Sometimes there's just a chemical right. imbalance and, you mm-hmm. know, they they have a condition that needs to work on. But a lot of times, man, there's just some people who can see things. And I came across um, Dr. Heiser's work, Michael Heiser. Yeah. And I think that's how we met, right? We met through Mike Kaiser yep. stuff, right? Yep. Yep. No, I, I was struggling, and, and you you stepped in and you helped. That, that was I'll never forget that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to take another little rabbit trail. Um, so last week, last weekend was Mike Kaiser's memorial service. He passed mm-hmm. away after mm-hmm. about a year and a half struggle with cancer, mm-hmm. and I got to go to that. I got to be a participant in it, and uh, I just it was kind of amazing the impact he will have is having will have in the body oh, yeah. of Christ. Um, and, and one end of the spectrum, you have scholars recognizing that now they can engage the laity, regular people, that people are interested in this stuff. Yep. You know, that you we don't get a lot of this stuff, super stuff in churches, Churches, pastors have a big job and they can't do everything. You know, mm-hmm. they have, they have to cast a wide net. And so people go looking for deep people who want more information, go looking for it. And people like Heiser has taught scholars. You can talk to regular people that they can receive it. And you might get chewed up a little bit like he did, mm-hmm. um, but people, a lot of people can receive it. And so that's kind of amazing. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you, you have people in, you know, our friend group there on social media who may have been inspired to go into scholarly work because of Mike Heiser. Like, like how many people look at his work? I mean, that could have been me, you know, like I, I could have been that, but you know, finally someone said yes to the call yep. and stepped into it, but he has motivated. He has excited so many people to pursue scholastic work um, in, in the Christian world and to bring that knowledge to teach other people and people are willing to receive it, are willing to be corrected. And, and I, I just, you know, someone like me, I, back in 2008, 2009, I came across him on a podcast called future quake. And back then there weren't a lot of podcasts. And so future quake was, it was great, man. There's nothing like it, but they motivated. I mean, that future quake podcast a lot of people, when it went away, a lot of a lot of other podcasts sprung up in its memory. And when mm-hmm. you know, Dr. Heiser uh, passed away, there are a ton of people around the world who are going to step up and carry on and advance his work, not just rest yep. on his work. He 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 wasn't the end. He wasn't the end of the. He was the start of it. Right. Yep. My daughter. Well, anyway, I. So he his his stuff the divine council worldview and 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 how he read the scripture that helped me think through what it is c or c um and why some things don't respond to prayer um some higher spirits that that would appear wouldn't respond to direct prayer like a demon would and so like what do you do with that you know and some things didn't respond to prayer at all they weren't even 
they weren't even really spirits. They were spiritual things. Um, so anyway, he provides this sort of hierarchy, right? Of uh, like, like you have God, and then you have different orders of beings. Um, but he had a biblical way of doing it. I mean, the medieval church had a hierarchy they thought through, but uh, I think Dr. Heiser really helped a lot of us think through better about about this. And I took this and just applied it to what my daughter was seeing and what other people were seeing. It informed us how to pray better. It informed us. Um, and, and so then eventually I just formed that website to try to, it was really a blog more than anything and some articles. Right. Try to help shape people who see spirits or spiritual things um, and their, or, or their pastors, pastors of people. By the way, if you're a pastor watching this, you have seers in your church. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Telling you, you do, um, and uh, or parents, or friends, or spouses, or people who actually are the seers themselves, just to think better. And then, like, what's the why behind it? Is it really a spiritual gift? And is it, you know, what are spiritual gifts? I I, I wrote my first book was called Peace in Your House because it's called Spiritual Cleansing of Life and Land, and really. Because people would write into the website and say, well, you know, I don't see spirits, but I know there's something going on in my house that's haunted, you know, or I have all these demonic things happening. And so can you give me a prayer? Can you give me a ritual to say? And it was just like, well, yeah, I can give you a prayer. But as I learned personally from casting out things out of my daughter's room over and over and over again, those suckers will come back if you don't Mm -hmm. close the door, if you don't cleanse the stuff. And what, what was attracting it? Well, in my own life, sin was attracting it. Um, mm-hmm. as the dad and the head of the household trigger alert for people, but the head of the household and the family, um, I was sinning and that was just opening the door to attack on my family. That's why things were coming against her. Um, because she was the most spiritually sensitive person in the house. So she would see it first. Anyway, right. it's not a prayer. It's, it's a person that Amen. cleanses it and that's Jesus. So peace in your house is really written because I wanted to establish a way of thinking Basically, it's one giant book about repentance. <laughs> it's like how to think better about the Bible, about the world that we live in, <clears throat> how to apply this stuff. Um, and then once you get your thinking better, you almost don't need the prayers because it just takes care of itself. But the very last chapter, there's some prayers. <laughs> like if you get all the way through the book. Um, anyway, so that was Peace in Your House. I wrote that, I think, uh, was that 2016? It's been a long time ago. I self-published it, just have it out there. And um, peace in your house is the title. Peace in your house, yep. That's and awesome. uh, it's uh, I, I would revise it. I have some revisions I would I would make in it if I do ever do a second version. Could I still kept learning, mm-hmm. you know, and um, kept learning. Was on the paranormal podcast with Dr. Heiser and a few other people, and we did a series of episodes on quantum physics and how that relates to spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. And hint, it doesn't. It's not related at all. Yep. Well, I had some of that in my book. And so like if I did a revision, I would strip all that stuff out, right? Um, there's some things, some things I'd strip out too. Because uh, you keep learning. And that's okay. I mean, you know, there's enough good stuff in it. I think people still get value out of it. But anyway, so I wrote that and still blogged. And, and then I wanted a book about, I wanted to finally organize a book about the seer thing. And I got to tell you, Jonathan, this has like been the hardest thing, the hardest thing I've had to do. I just, it's just taking me forever to get this thing done. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it, you know, uh, like a lot of the traditional sort of Pentecostal charismatic thing, go, oh yeah, there's a lot of warfare wrapped around it. 
And that's true. But when we say that, sometimes it absolves us of our own like responses to the warfare, <laughs> you know, like sometimes. Um, so I don't want to like absolve my own uh, culpability. Sometimes I just allow myself to get distracted. Um, but I was still learning. And I think things really came together this last, really the last six months. Um, and I was really released to finish the book. And to, so I'll have that out soon. Um, soon, meaning like today, this is a Saturday. We're recording this all day today. I was going through working on footnotes, right? <laughs> That's the worst part. You know, like I have so many in my manuscript, I have so many, you know, source, source this, you know, and I'm going through and like uh, entering the sources. Um, that way you, anyone reading it can, can check up on what I'm saying. But um, I, I had, a, I, I sent a, a manuscript off to a friend of mine who, who's a seer and she's in the Anglican church. She's a clergy member in the Anglican church and I really trust her judgment. And she had a lot of, a lot of, you know, good feedback. And so I had to rework it and some other things happened. I had to rework it and, and uh, anyway, but it's just about done, man. And it's, it's really, it's, it's just, it's about the seers. It's about the seer thing. There's nothing like it on the market. And so the, it's just going to fill a place for it. Uh, it. Can I just give you a quick highlight of what, like, and then if you have questions, yeah, you can go for it. Yes, please. I mean, I'm excited about it. Like I've worked years on this and then let it sit for years and I picked it up again. Mm-hmm. And I was in a, a job for about five years, which I really enjoyed, but I didn't realize that it took so much of my energy that I didn't have a lot of extra energy. To... So there's almost like a five year five year lack of content on my website because my job took so much out of me. But anyway, but I was able to finish it. Like I, I talked uh, the seer thing, like it's weird. Like people see spirits. Is that really in the Bible? So yeah, there's a chapter on there about seers in the Bible. And it has, I think almost every reference. There's a ton of references to people who see spiritual things. I just, a seer is not a prophet. So people get chewed up on that word, right? Do they see the future? Well, I mean, some seers can see possible futures sometimes, but that's not really how I use the word. I use the word to refer to people who see spiritual things. They, maybe they, you know, some in the Bible, um, some seers and prophets, sometimes they use those words interchangeably. That's not how I'm using those words. A prophet speaks God's words to others. A seer just sees spiritual things. You know, so if I were a seer and I saw a demon in the corner, I'm just seeing the demon in the corner. There's nothing prophetic about it. I might be, I might have, I might want to respond to the de- to the thing and, you know, pray against it. But um, but anyway, it's, that's all a seer is. It, it, and they're all over the spectrum. I mean, some, some of them, people like, I, I had uh, someone tell me, you do the scientific test, have two seers in the room and and have them see, I have them reportedly see, and if they don't see the same thing, then you know it's not real. Like, that's not how it works, man. We don't, we don't judge any other gift like that. Like, I play tennis. Roger Federer plays tennis in a way we're both gifted to some level, but he's gifted way more than me. You know what I mean? It's like, like I can shoot baskets. So can, okay, I can't think of a basketball player right now. But, you know what I mean? Yeah, but LeBron, yeah. So can LeBron, he can shoot baskets too. He's more gifted at that than I am. I can sing not well. <laughs> Other people can sing on pitch. I can't even hear on pitch. 
man, I, I played the trumpet all through high school and, and stuff. And whenever the, we would tune, like you'd play the middle C and then there's like a slide that you'd pull or push to make it like flat or sharper. I never could hear it. Other people could hear it just like that. I could never, I just like would, would play the C and I'd look at the band director. He's like, you, you're a senior. You, you, you still don't know to pull or push. No, I'm not gifted in that. Mm-hmm. I can hear, but I can't hear like that. So some seers, man, some seers, it's clear as day. It's clear day like it is right now. And they can mm-hmm. see things clearly. Other mm-hmm. seers, they can't see in the light of the day. They can see at night. They can see spiritual things like shadows and things. And so it's across the spectrum. Other people, they, they really don't see, like their senses have to be really dumbed down before they can see um, spiritual things. Some people, it's just in their dreams. So I, I would say it's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, it's like you can see, like uh, one of the seer told me, I can see like like high def demons in your face all the time. Mm. So, And what he would do is he would actually take his glasses off because he has corrective lenses. So if he wants mm. to really see the spiritual realm, he would take his glasses off and it just comes alive. If he didn't want to see the wow. spiritual realm, he'd put his glasses back on. Yeah. Wow. So it's all across the spectrum. The- yeah. And so whenever he we'd yeah. be visiting and sometimes I would notice he's like this. And I'm like, oh, he's, he's, what's going on? You know, he's just, you know, so I, I write about that, you know, like, oh, he's, um, he's my friend. I love him. He loves me. So he's a good I have guy. a question just, about that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. This is no, a rabbit trail. I'm a, I, I cut you off. You were still talking. So I'm going to go ahead and. No, no. Tell me the rabbit trail. I, it's good. Let's go with this. Okay. So basically this, this has been happening on and off for a, for a good part of my life. Sometimes when I'm half asleep and half awake, not sometimes, almost every time when I'm half asleep and half awake, I can hear the other side. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yep. Your spiritual things. And uh, most of the time it's dark, you know, like dark spiritual yeah, yeah. things, like yep. spiritual warfare stuff, like accusations, um, you know, just really gross, like stranger things, dark things, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, so I wake up. I here's the thing, I don't care. I just want to sleep, you know. So I just fall asleep. Yeah. It happens all the time, and I'm wondering if you know anybody else who has that. And it's it's, it's visual and auditory. I can. I wonder if it could also be part of my brain condition, or yeah. or if it's a legitimate spiritual thing. Because it also runs in my family on my side, but but they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to name people, but people on my mm-hmm. side of the family can see things and, and, and pray against them and they go away and, um, or, or, yeah. or they'll see something happening on the other side of the world, like a, a disaster and they'll pray for those people. I mean, that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. We know, it, by the way, the, speaking of stranger things and that the CIA investigated that whole remote viewing thing and stranger mm-hmm. things was, was running with that idea. But mm-hmm. on my website, I have a link to a Google drive that has tens of thousands of documents that were released through a FOIA request about the CIA working on on that because some people that's their gift they see things around the world they can kind of anticipate it's a, it's a possible future you know and and often it is the future and then they are responding appropriately by praying exactly yeah yeah so that i would say what what's going on whenever you're sort of in that mid sleep state as your brain is trying to transition from one level of consciousness to another, so like like trying to dip into REM sleep, for instance, um, 
something happens when 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 that happens and it, i think people get tuned into the spiritual realm actually that's when sleep paralysis happens um a lot of research has been done on sleep paralysis sleep paralysis for people who don't know it's it's um when someone's sleeping in a i think a sub, supine position and they perceive a presence in the room and it's terrifying in a lot of cases there isn't a presence in the room not even a spiritual one it's just how their brain is perceiving it but there are times where there is a spiritual presence in the room and those are people are having a much more severe response to it mm-hmm. uh, and what the research has shown is it's when the, the brain is shifting from one level of consciousness to another that sleep paralysis happens and i think it's because it's tapping in somehow into the spirit realm. I think that's happening. What's happening with you? Like you're, you're now. I'd be. It would be interesting to know if that happened before your brain injury or or, or after, or maybe it was all always during your life. Um, it it started to happen when I got more involved in ministry. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Because you're tuning into the things of God. <laughs> when I became a follower of Jesus, that's when it happened. Yeah. Like when I became a follower. Yes. I mean, I had other stuff happen to me before, but it was kind of like radio silent for the most part before I before oh, yeah. I became alive. Before I became alive to God, before I loved Jesus, before I realized that He is like before I I didn't before I just believed because my parents told me, and then then mm-hmm. I I had a live I had an encounter with the risen Christ myself that 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 changed everything. But um, after that is when all the stuff started happening, and like some like oftentimes it happens in my dreams. Like I'll have yep. prof- sometimes prophetic dreams where I, I can, I can like pray about something or um, have a word to say to somebody, but most of the time I don't say it because it's just too weird, you know, mm-hmm. um, which, which mm-hmm. is my lack of faith probably um, and disobedience or just fear, whatever. But um, other, oftentimes though, it's just like, like I'll see, I'll see people in my dreams that when I wake up, I know they're evil spirits masquerading as people and they're mm-hmm. accusing me of stuff they're um it's always accusation they're accusing me of stuff they're saying you know what are you doing uh not on our side anymore that kind of thing you know like 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 i'll give you i'll give you a specific dream the other night um two dreams the other night um the other day we ordered uh we we went to md oriental market in in pinellas park and we got some uh duck Uh, my wife wanted duck because she hasn't had duck in a while so she got some roast duck from the um the chinese restaurant inside and um Mm -hmm. it looked great she ate some and um that night when i dreamt um and because i'm messianic you know i i i keep kosher you know um Mm -hmm. and i don't enforce that or i don't enforce that on anybody that's just my personal conviction between god me and god um but um just a lifestyle choice and um uh she she's also a Seventh Day Adventist, so she has that personal conviction. But sometimes she'll she'll eat she'll splurge and eat whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And you know we're not like too legalistic about it. But um, like so le- like the other night she had duck, and then that night I had a dream, and then the dream it was her, but it was not her. And I knew when I woke up it was an evil spirit masquerading as her, and that evil spirit was saying um, to me in, in my dream was saying, uh, "You love pork." You know, you, 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 you're a pork lover and, 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 and like something, something to that effect, like, uh, you know, you, you love eating unclean things. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't. And then, and then kept on insisting. So I, I, I finally had to say, 
no, I don't love, I don't eat pork because I love Jesus. And um, in my dream, I said that. And the thing, mm -hmm. the thing said, no, you love the gospel. And then it walked away. And then I woke up. And then the, the, the next dream that I had the other night, oh, and by the way, I'm gonna, before that second dream. So that day I woke up and my wife had a stomach ache. And she said, it's that duck. I had a stomach ache. Oh, and, and in, in the dream, that, that evil spirit masquerading as my wife, mm -hmm. um, the duck, because I said, okay, in the, in the dream, I also said, I said, um, I said, yeah, but you, you ate duck. You know, how can you be accusing me of eating pork and you, and you ate duck? And then um, so um, the thing took the duck and threw it in the trash. And then, then I said, I don't eat pork because I love Jesus. And that's what it said. No, you love the gospel. And then it walked away. And then um, I woke up. And that day, my wife had a stomach ache all day from the duck. And I said, I told her what happened in the dream. And she was like, that's interesting. You know, she, she's not a, she's not a big, she's cautiously open, like, like Dr. Mike would say, but she's not like a big, um, she's not ready to jump on that bandwagon yet. Um, yeah. so, so I told her and she, she just kind of like maybe brushed it off and thought it was interesting. But, um, then the other night I had a dream and I have a lot of military dreams, probably because of the Marine Corps and stuff like that. Um, but, mm -hmm. um, the, the enemies, like God, God has used the military dreams to speak to me, spiritual things, but also the, the enemy will also hijack that and try to like mess with me through those kind of scenarios. In this particular dream, uh, I was in a, in a, in a building and there was, uh, there was some military veteran, like, uh, you know, some higher ranking military veteran. And he said, uh, he told me, you're not paying your dues. You know, you need to report to the, uh, like, like an American Legion or something, you know, like some kind of like, like, um, some kind of like, um, like a Marine Corps league type of thing where you, where mm -hmm. you still report after you, um, after you're out, you know, just, just, just out of respect. But this was more serious. This is like, like I had to report, I'm, I'm a veteran from this military that I'm no longer part of, but I still have to report and, um, and give my dues. And, um, and I'm like, and I just kind of was like, okay. I mean, I, I didn't care that much. I, I was like, okay, but uh, maybe he's right. Um, but I just kind of brushed it off and they always leave. He turns around and he leaves like right away, like fast, like just, he, he turns around and leaves and I'm trying to find mm -hmm. him. I'm like, who's this military veteran guy? I want to talk to him. And he's gone. And um, when I woke up, I knew that that most likely was the enemy saying, you're no longer part of our army. You know, you're, 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 you're out, you know, we, you know, but you still, you're, you still need to pay your dues. You you still need to, 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 uh, swear fealty to us. And I'm like, and I immediately, when I had that realization, I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to ignore that and just not even pay it heed, but I'm bringing it up to you because you, you're, you're a seer and you have, you know, you, you, you have more insight into these things. So what do you think? <laughs> so I'm not a seer, but I, oh, that, sorry. Do. Bad. Yeah, bad. yeah. Just clarification. My oh, question is, uh, yeah, you're good. You're good. Um, my question is, do do you have like Masonic heritage in your ancestry? Do you know? No, but um, but on my mom's on my mom's side, we um we because we we trace our we both me both my mom and my dad trace our our heritage uh, through Israel. And uh, on mm -hmm. my dad's side, uh, through the Spaniards, on my mom's side, Spaniards, but then it goes further to Italy. And in, in Italy, my um, my ancestors, the Martinus, they were um, 
what were they? They they were guards. Like they were they 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 served some kind of military capacity where like some kind of like armed guard service where they where mm-hmm. they were protecting something. But yeah, that, that's I, I, okay. That makes that kind of makes sense. So they um were there do you think there were oaths that were taken by them could have been i mean a lot of of them here's what here's here's where i'm going with this i I just wonder if there was an ancestral oath that committed the family line to this particular thing and because the line diverged from it um like there's a spiritual component that's sort of falling like, yeah, you left us, but you still owe us. And if that's the case, which I mentioned Masonic, cause that happens um, with some people who are descended from Masons. Um, right, right. If that's the case, then, you know, your, your prayer, you, you can pray like, you know what, if there's an oath, then we it's canceled. It's canceled. That that goes against my theology, actually, but I, I've because you know, if you're in Christ, everything's canceled. But I, it's just been my experience that you just need to pray it. <laughs> you know, it's like like if there's an oath that's following the family line, and I've prayed it over my own family. And, you know, if there's oaths that come down that, that demons or not demons, these aren't really demons, but there are spirits. They're um, probably higher order spirits following the family line. If they if if they think there's an assignment, if they think if they think they have the right still, like like for instance, you don't belong to us, but you still owe uh, owe us. Like, well, that's that's why because I'm now I'm in Christ, and that oath is broken in the name of Jesus, and Amen. you you now have permission to never visit me again. You know th- these higher order things, and you know the Lord the Lord has broken that, and you are free from that particular um, recurring spiritual attack so that's how i would interpret that's how i would respond to that i think uh i think you i think it's i mentioned in the book you said earlier when you sort of committed your life to the lord that's when the spiritual like discernment not not discernment i don't use that word um because that word has baggage but that the spiritual awareness particularly um when things are quieted down and you're at night um, that is common that like for people mm-hmm. it's people either born with it or it happens when they're born again. <laughs> like it's when they're born the yeah. first time or, or they have a spiritual experience. Usually it's when they're saved. Um, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say usually I don't have science behind it, but anecdotally when they're it. saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just in, I mean, I've talked to literally thousands of seers now and the last um, 15 years and there's a bunch of them that are born with it and sometimes it goes away over time sometimes it comes back and others they don't have anything until they're saved or they have a spiritual encounter sometimes they're already they're christians and then they have like like they're filled with the holy spirit or they have like a you know a supernatural experience um, and then it's like switched on mm-hmm. and you know and and it can be very confusing <laughs> it can be very confusing for people you know i i met with yeah didn't even feel confusing yeah. to me because it was like I expected. I'm like, okay, now I'm in Christ. I expect things to be spiritual now, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so, a great way of thinking about it because you're sitting, yeah. he- you're seated in heavenly places. Mm-hmm. There's this beautiful scene in one of the Superman movies, Superman Returns, 
and um, so it's, it's a few years old now, but he 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 mentions Superman mentions, which by the way, the people who wrote that version of the Superman story, they, there's a gospel story in that. Um, it's not the gospel. Don't overread what I just said. Don't overhear what I said. Sure. But there's like a there's like a parable there. But anyway, sure. Superman mentions to somebody, you know, I I can hear everything. Mm-hmm. Like I can, and then it, then it shows him at one point going way up, right? And then he's just like listening, and it, and it, it simulates how he's hearing everything. Then he's he then he focuses in on one thing and he goes and he saves whatever mm-hmm. the situation is. And to me, that's just a beautiful picture of the Lord. He hears everything. You know, and we like you tap into that a little bit, and then you mm-hmm. get some marching order, and like your family, you get sort of marching orders from that. Like you're like you're like Superman, dude. It's like right. you tap into that, then you hear, then you focus on the one voice, and like your family mentioned, you mentioned they focus on the one voice, and then they go in, and they go in and they act. And usually the action's prayer. Sometimes it's giving someone a word. Sometimes it's just calling, yeah. giving someone an encouraging, encouraging statement. But, um. That's to me. That's that's kind of awesome, actually. You know, I, I've met with people who were non-believers, so we would call them psychics mm-hmm. um, and mediums, and a couple of them I think were witches. And we were there. We were there to minister to them, minister God to love. I call it apologetics. I apologize for how Christians treat people like that. <laughs> we just love them because Jesus really loved pagans. I just He does. He loves them. Amen. He wants them in his family. So anyway, my, uh, my friend Jerry and I were to. at this. What's that? That's who he went to. Oh, the yeah. Tax- for real. I mean, that's who like, Rome he was. Went, he went to me. <laughs> you know, He went to me. And he's staying with me. Well, they, so, they mentioned that we were in this, this group just sharing some of our experiences. And we were there just to love on these people. But they mentioned, all of them mentioned that they hear voices all the time at night. Mm-hmm. I say all the time, when they're trying to settle down at night and they hear voices, they hear all sorts of things. And so that's why they listen to white noise and they turn fans on, they turn things on to try to drown it out so they can get some sleep. Mm -hmm. They're just, their spiritual antenna are just so strong. Remember the old, the old fashioned, the old fashioned, the old TVs, you know, how they had antenna or the radio and they have like spiritual antenna and they just pick up on so much. And sometimes we can pray. And we did this with our daughter. We prayed that her spiritual antenna would be lowered so she mm-hmm. wouldn't pick up so much because mm-hmm. she was seeing so much bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like you see the bad stuff first. You pick up the bad stuff first. And then, mm-hmm. you know, then sometimes people will get to see the, the angels and the good things. But I think the reason they see the bad stuff first is there's so much bad stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's just a lot of it. Well, we're in the middle of a war. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, you, yes, that's exactly right. So, like, why do I, why do I see demons? I, don't, I want to see the angels. Like, well, because there are more of them, actually, right, right. now, mm-hmm. and we can tap into the Lord, and and then He'll sometimes release angels to help. Amen. Uh, but you know, we our help is our help is not the angels. Our help is the Lord. He's the gen- like back to the war metaphor. He's the angels are helpers. We don't pray to the angels. You, you pray to the captain or the king or yeah. the general you know like your rate your prayers your radio hey i need some reinforcements here <laughs> you know yeah. then the lord gets to choose how he sends the reinforcements so exactly yeah i um 
back when I was uh, super reformed and young, hip and reformed and Calvinist, I, I always listened yeah. to John Piper. And uh, that's one thing he said mm-hmm. is uh, that uh, prayers are walkie talkie to heaven or walkie talkie to father, you know, radioing in uh, heavenly yeah. reinforcements. So, um, you I mean, know, I'm when, the, when the Lord, I think, and yeah, he's right. But what, what we don't realize the stairway to heaven's in you, right? Because mm-hmm. the Lord's there. Where the Lord is is heaven, and the Lord's right. inside you. That is like that is that is Jacob's ladder, right? He 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 fell asleep on Bethel, and he he dreamed of a hair of the angels ascending and descending on that mm-hmm. stairway. And then Jesus later said, "Hey, angels are ascending and descending on me." Used the same mm-hmm. language, same words, yep. meaning he was Bethel. Wherever he went, he was the stairway to heaven. And then when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us through Jesus's um, cleansing of us through faith, he angels can ascend and descend on us. Now we don't command angels, right? But that's just, that's just like we had the stairway to heaven. And I'm thinking about that because on my computer screen, there's a beam of light that's shining right across you. And I've been oh, yeah. seeing it since it got here. And, and I'm like, yeah, stairway to heaven, dude. That's like, that's like a yeah. picture of what that looks like. You know, the Holy Spirit has a, a spotlight on you and, you know, it goes all the way to heaven. Now, heaven isn't literally up, but that's just how we think about it, right? Right. Um, so anyway, well, yeah. So I talk about, back back to, to just a general outline, mm-hmm. um, the seers in the Bible. I talk about spiritual gifts. Is it a spiritual gift? What is spiritual gifts? I think, I think Christians in America, at least, have a huge misunderstanding of what a spiritual gifts are. And, and so I talk a lot, I talk, I, I talk about, you know, what are spiritual gifts? Is that even the right word we should use? I don't even think it's the right word. Um, in first Corinthians 12, one, Paul says, um, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't need to be uninformed or something. That's something like that but the thing is and almost every translation says now concerning spiritual gifts except that the word for spiritual gifts isn't in that verse and if you look at you know look at king james gifts is italicized because in king james they italicize words that aren't that there's no word behind it it's just the translator sticking word in there gifts is high is translated is highlighted you look at any any uh bible that has a greek Behind it, you know, online, I use Logos, but mm-hmm. the word for spiritual gifts isn't in that verse. It's read into the verse by translators. Um, what it should read is now concerning spiritual people, I don't want you to be uninformed, or it could be read now concerning spiritual things, mm-hmm. I don't want you mm-hmm. to be uninformed. And according to scholar D.A. Carson, both readings can be defended. What can't be defended is spiritual gifts. So the passage that starts in 1 Corinthians 12 is about either spiritual things or spiritual people. Mm-hmm. And Carson thinks it's referring to spiritual people. And I go with that and I explain why in, in the book, which you'll get a read when it comes out. But I think it's about that passage is about spiritually gifted people doing spiritual things and you need to do them in appropriate ways, which is what he's getting at because people in Corinth weren't doing things from a heart of love and they were doing things out, out of order. So, but there's a lot of spiritual, and so, and the word, when it gets down to the word charismaton, which is where we get, 
which typically that's, that's the Greek word and I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but it's charismaton, right? That's where we get the word charismatic and people think, well, that's what spiritual gifts are. It's really, spiritual gifts is kind of a, not a great translation. It should be more like an endowment, an endowment or an ability, an endowment. Um, charismaton means an endowment or an ability. Um, and like eternal life is an endowment something you're endowed with through faith. That is a charismaton. Hmm. We never call, we never call eternal life spiritual gift, but it's a charismaton. It's an endowment that God gives us. Sanctification, righteousness. Those are also charismatons or endowments Mm -hmm. that he gives us. Well, some people are endowed with certain abilities that are spiritual. Um, And that's, and and you're, and God expects you to use those abilities for His kingdom. So I, we we want to take this list in First Corinthians and go. Well, these are the spiritual gifts. You know, it's prophecy, knowledge, healing. T-. No, no, those are just a few of them. But there's lots of abilities right. that the Spirit the Spirit empowers. The Spirit endows people. One of them is singing in tone and pitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, one of them is seeing spiritual things. So um, it's just, it's an ability some people have. And we should, and so I use the word ability a lot, just as much as gift. So some people, they, you know, a lot of people who can see spiritual things, they don't want to, they don't want it. People like you at night, you don't really want to hear all the warfare, you know, like, can I just go to bed in peace? You know, yeah, pretty much. no, you can't. This is an ability you have, right? He's built it into your brain and, you know, it's just, it's just how he made you and, and people who see spirits, I'm not sorry because God made you that way. And it's awesome. Amen. So anyway, I talk about spiritual gifts and then I talk about, did they, did it, oh, did it pass out? Did it stop? Right. Cause you mentioned reformed for certain people who would say, well, that ended when the Bible was formed, like God stopped empowering people endowing people well that's of course i think it's ridiculous eternal life is yep is a charisma time but anyway more to the point about the seeing things um i was able to i did ton a ton of research looking for evidence of christians being able to see spirits throughout history and i found and i can only read english i can't read latin or these languages so i had to look through english translations but i found evidence throughout history um, of people, not only the church ex- allowing for the ability to see spirits, but like embracing it and other people just happen, you know, but then uh, there have been churches all throughout since about 300 who have said, nope, that's actually something wrong with your eyes or it's all in your head or you're making it up. And so there's always been that interpretation, which right. is really interesting to me. Like that's what I've heard. I've talked to, you know, like I said, thousands of seers. A lot of them were told, no, no, it's all in your head or, um, or it's, uh, are you making it up or, or it's a curse. That was, that was one that really came up during the witchcraft era of, um, you know, when Christians were burning witches. Um, one of the reasons they burned people was because there were seers who saw spirits yeah. and, you know, they probably saw some bad spirits behind some of these Puritan priests, Puritan pastors, Puritans oh, yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so all throughout history, 
there's been sort of these different responses. One, you're crazy. Two, you have a demon. Uh, three, something's wrong with your eyes. And by the way, it's kind of funny because we had our daughter's eyes checked. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're like, some of her eyes, maybe it's her brain. And then, um, or, oh, someone who sees spirits. So mm-hmm. I, I, I traced that. Um, that chapter in earlier drafts was probably longer than it needed to be. So I cut a bunch of it out. <laughs> because I like history, but boy, I just, you know, I, once I made the point, I didn't need to find all, there's a ton of evidence of it. And then I look at pagan perspectives. I look, or I shouldn't say pagan, like new age perspectives um, and scientific perspectives. And, you know, is it, you know, is it, could it be a mental thing? You know, it, but you know, it's funny, the, the mental health here in America, there's, there's my dog. Hey, Levi. <laughs> Hopefully someone opens the door here in a second. Um, the mental health document that people in the <laughs> West you All right, I want to open the door and let my dog out. <laughs> there you are. Thank you. Okay. Um, anyway, it's called the DSM-5, the Diagnostic, and I can't remember what it stands for. But it's a tool that is used by mental health professionals here in America to diagnose mental health. It's so they can bill insurance. But believe it or not, the DSM-5 allows for the possibility of people seeing spirits within a religious context. So that's shocking to me that when I found that, but it, it does allow for it. Now, there are people who are, I don't think it's schizophrenia, but there are some like mental conditions where people think they see things and they're, they're not, they're just something going on with their head, but there's other symptoms go along with that. Mm-hmm. If you don't have other symptoms, there's a good chance that you just see spirits and the DSM five allows for that, which is kind of fun. Then I, I, you know, then I just go through, um, I tell the narrative of the, of, of scripture and to help people, place within like a divine council worldview mm-hmm. um hopefully listeners know what that means but you know but i, I just tell the narrative of the scriptures and, and give examples of throughout the story of the bible of um, the hierarchy of the spirit realm mm-hmm. um and uh, helps people to interpret what they're seeing and then you mentioned earlier you had you get prophetic words for people but they're kind of weird you don't know how to share them so i have a chapter about for a seer specifically but you can use it for people who are prophetic how to share what it is you see or the word you receive. Mm-hmm. And it's a model that I just proposed. It's nothing brilliant. I got it, some of the aspects from different parts, but I just put it together. And it's just like how you judge where the person's at on a, in a continuum of a relationship with the Christ, how you judge if they're believing the supernatural or not. And then you can use sort of these metrics to sort of think through the word to give someone to frame it in a certain way there's some people so as an example um, i have a friend young friend who's a seer she saw she's at the mall she saw a demon behind somebody on the bench so she went up to him and said and she knew what it was it was a spirit of depression literally a spirit of depression wow yeah and so she went up to him and she said this might seem weird but i i feel like god's telling me you have a spirit of depression oppressing you. And he looked at her and go, you're right. I, yes. 
Well, he didn't know she meant literally, like right behind her was a spirit of depression. But she framed it in a way that he could receive it, not knowing where he was at. Mm-hmm. Right. And so she, she said that because she do you mind if I pray for you right now? And so he, gave, he granted permission. Yes, please. And she went right after that spirit of depression and left. Now, I'm not saying it left permanently, but it left for the moment. He immediately felt better and then mm. opened up that he was a pastor. And um, so then she felt like, oh, I can share more about what I'm seeing because nice. I don't know, maybe she saw what, what, what his life was attracting it. But right. anyway, it's just a way to carefully, because spiritual things can be so weird, but I have to tell you, Jonathan, in America, like the country is running rampant towards supernatural perspectives. They're just not biblical supernatural perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, people are, are you know, it's I'm spiritual but not religious. You know, people are well tuned in to the reality of the spiritual. They just don't have a biblical framework or biblical worldview. And so when we engage people, we can we can use language. Like when I went to that New Age thing with the, the psychics and stuff. Right. I didn't tell them that I was going to give you a prophetic word. I was going to give you a reading. And they came to me and people would say, I'm here for a reading. And we, we didn't charge. It was free. And everyone else was charging. And we would say, okay, well, uh, our medium is Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. And we're going to listen to Jesus to see what the Father has for you. And they're like, oh, you guys are Christians. Like, yeah, we are. <laughs> Oh yeah. You know, so, and that's, we just use their language. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, they just, they, they, okay, I receive, you know, they, they, they'll receive it because it's, we're loving them on their level. We're not, not forced, you know, we, so we would, we would do a dream interpretation. We call them readings and, um, and then we did healing. We called it kingdom prayer. We said kingdom prayer. People didn't know what that meant. <laughs> you know, kingdom prayer is, you probably know is, you know, we when we pray for healing, either healing either comes or it doesn't. But the kingdom always comes. The kingdom is God's rule. So God's rule comes somehow, whether it's just us loving them with God's mm-hmm. heart. Um, that's the kingdom. Or sometimes mm-hmm. healing comes. You know, it's like sometimes we're surprised one way or the other. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm surprised when healing comes. Sometimes I'm surprised when it doesn't. But I'm never surprised when love comes because that's what we're mm-hmm. doing when we do um prayer ministry anyway so rabbit trail yeah but that's that's um that's a gist of the book i talk a little bit about um art the role of artists and uh, seers um it's seers and art are very closely intertwined people who are gifted to see things spiritually often can be brilliant artists and, and you can actually see that in some Hollywood movies. I was watching a, uh, a show called um, The Frighteners. It's a 90s comedy horror show from mm-hmm. Australia uh, or New Zealand. Uh, Peter Jackson did it and before his Lord of the Ring days. And I was watching it with a seer and on a podcast called The Commentarians. And we were commenting on it from a Christian perspective right. while watching it. And she just thought, she, uh, my co-host, I wasn't actually the host, I was the guest. Her name is Emily. And she said, you know, I think the, I think the designer, either the director 
or the creative team, someone on the team is a seer because that's exactly how I've seen the spirit realm <laughs> interact. And I'm like, yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on. Oh, well, it turns out that she wrote her dissertation making that argument that wow. um, prophecy and dissert and, and, and seers and um, art are all combined. So like the first artist in the Bible, maybe not the first artist, but the first artist of prominent in the Bible, I can't remember his name. He's the guy who designed the tabernacle. It's like he gets yeah. like a fourth of the oh, book of Exodus. What's, what's his yeah, name? Yeah. I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, think the part of the the part of Exodus that we skip, <laughs> you know, because it's all the boring. <laughs> he had the Holy Spirit came on him, and he was an artist. And he led a team of artisans, and he designed a picture of heaven on earth. And some, like the rabbis, think he was a seer. It doesn't say he was a seer, but the language sure dances around it. Okay. And other people, Jeremiah was very poetic in his language, and he saw heaven, and he was trying to convey spiritual truths. So, I mean, you see this throughout the Bible, but you can see it in Hollywood. Some movies portray spiritual things very well, and I bet you that they are maybe not Christian, but they they see spiritual things and they're just creating things. Well, you know what? Christian seers who are artists, come on, start making this stuff. I think, you know, I think one of our friends, um, I think Angel, um, she's an artist and she conveys spiritual truths, I think, through her art. And let's, we need more of this. You know, there's, there's some other chapters too that, you know, talk about how to use this thing. Seers as worship leaders. You know, King David had three seers that were worship leaders. And I, yeah, it's, again, it's a careful reading of the Old Testament, but they are, there were three of his worship leaders were in the temple were seers. And I, and I just think, you know, there's the one passage where it says, um, you are, you, where God inhabits the praises of his people. Mm-hmm. That's the King James. A more modern translation would say God is enthroned on the praises of his people. And once I was with my daughter and we were in a worship service and she was looking above this the congregation. I'm like, what do you see? I'm like, do you see angels? She said, no. I said, what do you see? I see a throne. I'm like, huh. And I hadn't had, I had not read a modern version of that verse. And I went back looking like, sure enough, she saw a representation in the spirit realm of God being of God's kingdom, God being enthroned because we were, we were praising mm-hmm. a scripture. I can imagine a seer, one of the David seers, like, you know, leading worship in the temple, they had a four thousand voice choir. Oh my goodness! All right, yeah. so I mean, if you yeah, the huge choir. Now, is that a real number or is it a symbolic number? I don't know. All I know is big choir, and and I can see Asaph, for instance. He was one of them. He's like, oh yeah, you know Yahweh, or I guess yeah, yeah Yahweh, yeah. And then he sees a crown, a throne. Like, oh, Yahweh's enthroned on the praises of people when he goes to the king, King David. Guess what I saw last night. Yahweh was enthroned on the praises of people. And Dave was like, I'm using that. I'm using that. And he wrote that down. You know, I, did that happen? I, no, but it could have, you know, like, like, so, you know, worship leaders, man, if do you see, write what you see, you know, you seeing God enthroned on the praises of his people, write that. Or if you're leading worship and you're saying God isn't enthroned, then, what do you need to, what do you need, how do you need to lead your worship? Maybe you need to lead the congregation into congressional repentance. Yeah. You know, and if you lead them into congressional repentance, 
and then you deal with that, and then maybe the kingdom will be released, you know, and, and I don't know. I'm not a worship leader. I mean, but I think, but that's, there are uses for these abilities. There are. And I want to say something else I mentioned earlier before we got on about God's use of handicapped people. And I know that's not the political correct term. My wife could tell me it's <laughs> differently abled people, I think. Anyway, I, I have a friend who, <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I have a friend who had, he has a severe, um, I, I blogged about it, God's use of handicapped people, but he, he's not able, he's only able to blink. That's how he communicates through blinking. Mm-hmm. And, but he has communicated that he sees angels and his wow. mom was like, why would God give him this ability? <laughs> you know, and like, because so he can tell you when there's angels and demons in the room. I mean, that's why. So that can tell you how to pray. And maybe he blinks and he communicates a little bit slower than some other people who can see them. But God has gifted him. Let him step in. Well, you can't step because he's in a wheelchair. Let him roll into this, his calling. You know, if if God has given the ability to see spirits to some people and they've ignored it. And so God's like, okay, fine. And he moved that anointing and gave it to someone who can't ignore it because he's stuck in a wheelchair. And we, as parents and pastors and leaders, need to empower our people who are differently abled or handicapped to step into their calling. And, you know, and at the vineyard where we attended for a while, there was a guy who would just worship and he was hit something. Again, I don't know the diseases, but he couldn't really walk. He couldn't really do anything. He, He couldn't even talk, but he would worship. And this is at a church, by the way, that believes in prayer and believes in healing. And they would pray for him. He's not, he wasn't healed here. He was healed when he went to heaven. He, he, he's healed now because he's passed away. But he yeah. didn't care. He was worshiping. He was loved. And they would find a place for him in the church where he would actually clean the windows as best right. he could. And they loved him. He wanted to serve. We, we need to be Christians. Need to, we need to be way more accommodating to people who are differently abled than, than we are. Man, and it, you know, it's like God. There's a, there's a, uh, one of the parables where Jesus invites the disabled and yep. the poor yep. and the hungry. I can't remember all. He invites them to the feast, and they're like, "How come you're inviting them?" Because the people I, the people, the first people I invited didn't come. They're all busy. They're too busy going to like sporting events on Sunday. They're, they're they have their kids enrolled in traveling baseball teams, and mm-hmm. so they're never in church. You know, and I'm talking to myself a little bit too. Like sometimes I just wake up like, oh, I don't think I'm going to church on Sunday. And like, you know, God's like, fine, you're not going to go to church. I'm going to give your gifting to someone else who's going to be at church and use your gift. No. You know, like, like I'm being a little bit harsh here, but we need to be in community. First John 1 is about like the first few four verses of First John 1 is about community. Like we get to know the father through community. Yep. That's what he says. He's like. We get to we get to do through doing the word of life stuff with other people doing word of life stuff. We commune with each other and Jesus and the Father. We need to, you know, where we can, where we're able, get into church and do stuff. And and getting into church isn't just sitting in a pew. You know, it's it's getting involved and doing stuff and. Being Amen. Jesus to people. Amen. 
one encourage one encouraging thing that I have, man, that that God is, um, one encouraging situation, blessing, whatever you want to call it, that God has placed me and my wife and daughter in, or my family, is uh, we're we're now part of a church that is part of a tradition where it could be really legalistic. It started off as a revival type of thing, but they mm-hmm. over time they got legalistic. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to offend anybody, but mm-hmm. um. They, um, this particular church, um, not, not all, not all of them are legalistic, but, um, there's the tradition, like any, any denomination can get that way where, where it's just, it's just routine. It's just religion. It's just Mm -hmm. one thing to do. It's a club. And, um, but this group of people, this Ecclesia, this Kehila is no longer content with that, with just growing into a mega church. And they, they're like, they're, they're at a place where they're like, we need to make disciples. We need to, we need to multiply, mm-hmm. we, we not just gather in one place, but spread out and multiply. So they're, they're brainstorming like small groups and they're, 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 they're on the cusp of starting small groups. And, um, the, the, and I applaud them for that. You know, like I was talking to one of the, um, one of the leaders today about that and about, you know, um, doing about basically we we're just we we're just worshiping jesus together uh me and one of the leaders one of the pastors and um he he we were just talking about dmm disciple making movements and how in mm-hmm. in the in the two-thirds world and how in the global south and the 1040 window it's just taking off like wildfire it's just um the gospel is exploding and ballooning everywhere and um yes. especially where there's persecution where it's outlawed where where it's illegal to be a christian that's where it's spreading the fastest and um so we were just talking about that and we were talking about uh why or we were trying to like we're just discussing why it's not happening in the global north why it's not happening where it's more westernized and um but i was i was just i just felt like encouraged to share out of faith it's going to happen in the global north. The same way it's happening in the global south, it's going to happen in the global north, especially now that there's that that repaganization or, or whatever you want to call it. That um, that um, yep. yeah, that that this that dissatisfaction with materialism and people are just searching and they don't know what to search for. It's like the Book of Acts, you know, um, yeah. where Paul walks into the uh, the uh, um, the, I forget exactly where um. Man, I'm drawing a blank here, but yeah, he, Marcel. Act 17, yeah, Act 17. He, yeah. he he talks about the unknown God, and um, anyway, so we're we're just talking about that, and and, and DMM, disciple making movements, and um, it's just amazing what God is stirring in the hearts of of this uh, group of people, this this community of believers um, at the church. It's just amazing, and so I'm excited to see what God's gonna do with that, man. And 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 the, the, the they they invited me to be part of one of the small groups. And God's been putting a burden on my heart to to do to basically open up my home for that, you know, and and awesome. and, and, and and see where God t- see what see what He does. But like step by step, first step right now is just opening up our home, opening up our lives for that, and just being ready for whatever the Lord has in the next step. So anyway, I'm just I'm just sharing that because you were just sharing about community and the importance of community and and how um, we experience God in 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 a more richer, in a richer way, in a, in a, in a deeper, more intimate way in community. And that's, that's, that, that can't be further from the, I mean, how would I say that, 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 that can't be closer. And I'm drawing a blank here, but it's late. But all, all I'm saying is 
that, that's that's the truth, brother. That that that's reality. It's on track. That, yeah, it's on track. So exactly. These, these churches. I mean, some of our best movement, best moments mm-hmm. here. My wife and I were in small group. Now, the like we would get together on a Sunday morning, and then you know, then but that church would empower, like they would resource these small groups to go, and you can lean, you can lean in more. Now, I went away during during COVID, but I think mm-hmm. it's coming back. Finally, coming back. Um, different churches. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it, I mean, there's a reason these things went away during COVID because it was, it was working. And I think people are really hungry for community and, and meaning. I, I, it's just, man, some of our best, when we went through stuff, like we had, well, that's just their stuff. Like we had gave birth and my wife couldn't work. Right. And I'm like ordering pizza every night, man, our small group, you know, organized meal, meals right that's it's just like they do life together and, and just the times where things are tough and they do and when things are not tough you know we do life together and so we're, we're not in a small group now we've been talking about it um because it's so important <laughs> you know it's like but that but it's the thing is that's where your discipleship that's where your discipling is forged because then you you know you're held accountable <laughs> you know exactly. and that's important that is important. I believe uh, Gabriel has joined us. Looks that way. Can you hear us, Gabriel? I can hear you. How you doing, brother? I'm doing very well. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. I can't see you. I see you, though. Uh, I'm sorry that it's power outage, so I'm trying to, trying to make you see me. Oh, that's fine. No it's all good. Okay, so give me a couple of minutes, okay? Sure. sure. Well, that is awesome that you're you're getting involved in that. It's yeah, that it's I I love you know I love being a small group. My, we work a lot right now, and we we my wife and I, and so we need to leave. We need to I how should I say? We need to have more margin in our lives so we can lean into those sort of things. And that's a word for somebody. Do you have margin in your life? (laughs) You know, like, or is your page of your life, like from page to page, from end of the page, end of the page, is it completely full? If it is, you need to cut things out. So you have margins, margins to breathe, margins to rest. I mean, the, the uh, rhythm of our life, we're supposed to work six days and rest the seventh. Yep. And uh, so are you able to find that? My daughter, by the way, she, she kind of brought that to my attention. She is a freshman in um, in college now. Well, actually, she's wrapping up her freshman year. She's studying um, biblical and well, she's studying church leadership, but she wants to change her degree to biblical and theological studies. And she's interning at a big church in Chicago. And she um, mentioned that the leadership there at that church says one day a week is your Sabbath meaning your day of rest. Like you're not allowed to do schoolwork. You're not allowed to do ministry work. You're not allowed to work. We just need to rest. Like, and it's a little bit, if I'm phrasing it in a way that's legalistic, okay. Like they, they don't want you to work. You know, they want you to rest because yeah. you need a, a break. You, know, you need a break. And so that's, you know, I guess that was established for us in Genesis one. Right. So we need to maybe take that seriously. And then, you know, on that Sabbath, you know, she can do communion with other people. 
you're just not doing school work and you're not, you know, doing vocational work. Yeah, that's Gabriel, where are you calling from, dude? I'm calling from Nigeria. Nigeria, man. Isn't wow. That awesome? So that that's that's uh that if, if I'm correct, what time is it over there right now? That's um one thirty five, right? Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for joining sir. at this yeah. at this Thank late or early hour, however you want to phrase it. <laughs> I'm trying to make this work. Please give me a couple of minutes. Take your time. Sure. Okay. We're just worshiping Jesus here, so man, no no pressure at all. Okay. I, I said something about earlier about me me not being a worship leader, and I mean that, but I have to caveat that now because I led worship last week, a small worship service. So I went to Dr. Heiser's memorial, and which was in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and people from all over the really all over the country, all over the U.S. anyway went went to it. And it occurred to me a few weeks beforehand that why are we memorializing Dr. Heiser? It's because he taught us more about Jesus. Mm. So maybe we could get together, some of us, beforehand and worship Jesus before the memorial service. So I ran it by his family, just you know, out of honor and respect. I ran it by his wife, and Drenna, and she um, said, go for it. And the family helped me locate um, a pavilion and a park. Um, which, you know, so I, I reserved it and we, uh, and I just put it on Facebook and I told Drenna and I had no idea if anybody would come and I actually had somebody lined up to lead worship. He had the guitar and he was going to sing and I just suggested three or four songs. I didn't suggest three or four songs. I said, let the Holy Spirit lead. And about two or three days before he lost his voice, <laughs> he got sick and lost his voice. So he said, I can't do it. I'm like, oh. So I found, I made a playlist. I did it the old fashioned way. And when I was in church planting, how I would lead worship in youth group is I would do a playlist, pick three or four songs on a, in a playlist, print it off the lyrics. So I've had, I had a little Bluetooth speaker there in the park and I stood in front of everybody and I'm like, I just sang, you know, was anywhere near key. <laughs> Cause I can't hear pitch. I just went for it. Because worship, worshiping is not really about worship. Leading isn't really about singing. It's about ushering a people into God's presence, and uh, so that's what I tried to do. So I, I, when I said that earlier, oh, I'm not a worship leader. Somebody, about twenty people came to the worship service, and we celebrated Jesus, you know, for about an hour. Wow! And. Um, and if someone listens to this, they'll be like, yeah, you are. I was at a service. You were, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I had help with the, I, with the iPhone and the Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> so Gabriel, so, uh, we've been talking. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jonathan. Oh, no, pretty much just, uh, wanted to see if Gabriel wanted to share anything. If you wanted to introduce himself. Uh, Okay, actually, I'm enjoying uh, my brother talking about it there, and uh, I think he's talking about uh, how he's been worshiping the Lord, and especially during the <laughs> COVID. And I think yeah. it's a uh, it's a wonderful experience, you know, getting to worship the Lord irrespective of our situations, and you know, just pouring ourselves and we give everything to the Lord. 
And yes. I think the Lord loves that and is happy with us when we do that. So please keep up the good work. I'm happy listening. <laughs> yeah, my dad, who really can't sing, uh, in the church I grew up in, sang in the choir. And he just said, you know, he just belted out nowhere near on pitch. Uh, and he's like, God has a filter. And it just makes everything in tune when it reaches his ears. I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. You know, so he just belted out, you know, love the Lord. And uh, it was kind of neat when we were at that park and the pavilion singing, you know, 22 of us or so, people walking by on the little sidewalk, you know, being able to hear, hear us sing. And awesome. Not be embarrassed. Just go for it. You know, I should have ran after some of them and prayed for them, but we were worshiping. <laughs> so. Amen. Wow. It, it, it was so your father worshiped the Lord, lost his voice. Yeah, yeah. So he actually did show up. The, the guy who had lined up to lead worship, you know, that's just warfare. That's just that's what the enemy does. You know, he he had a random sickness two days before he was going to lead, and uh, he came and he could talk. And I'm like, it was great. I was able to uh, visit, and then we went to the memorial, Doctor Heiser. Uh, which was quite emotional and also quite wonderful. Okay. Uh, excuse me, please. Uh, talking about warfare, uh, please, before I go on, I'll have to make a little apology for the lightning. Uh, oh, you're fine. The you're lightning light is quite bad. Yeah, there's power outages, so, and I can't turn on the, the generator right now. It's quite late. I mean, it's midnight. You know, I'll be disturbing the neighbors. So, uh, yeah. we have to make do with this if you don't mind. <laughs> so okay so are you guys okay with that i'm just yeah. i'm grateful that you're joining us i'm grateful that you're here brother it's a blessing okay it's awesome man yeah thank you. so thank spiritual you, warfare so, how do you what do you want to like talk about specifically yes yes uh you mentioned uh that our enemy attacks us especially when we're not looking you know i've been studying that lately okay you know he attacks us Areas we're not looking at, okay, and um, Bible says we're not we're not uh, fighting against flesh and blood, and um, but yeah. against spiritual, principal uh, uh, powers and all this, you know, and you know there are things happening behind the scenes that we do not know, especially when it comes to we worshiping the Lord with our lives, okay. So I don't think Satan is very happy with us. Uh, he's not excited about us serving the Lord or worshiping the Lord. So he attacks us whether it's in our marriage. Or in our in our in our, in our churches, you know, I don't know if you have taken time to study study how, how people fight in churches today. How things just you know get out of hand over little things, you know, you just wonder, hey, how did things escalate this quickly? Okay, so you know, Satan is fighting behind the scenes, and just like he said, his father was trying to sing, you know, in a couple of days, and then the enemy took his voice, and you know, so the the battle is real. I think we Christians need to wake up to this fact. Hmm. Okay. I don't know yeah. if you guys have read this book by by Rick Joyner. There's this book by Rick Joyner. Um, I think um, what is it to now? Oh, I think I think the pastor something. I think I've forgotten. But if I can get up before we go on, I'll let you guys know. But it's, it was it is it was written by Dr. Rick Joyner. Okay, and it talks about how the enemy keeps attacking us. Okay, and we Christians are sometimes unaware of these battles. And I think the church needs to wake up and say that this battle is real. Okay, and I think we need to come in support of one another. 
You know, imagine if the church gathered and prayed for its dad, probably would regain his voice. And sometimes you just allow the enemy to just win and we allow them to... I'm not judging anybody, please. So I'm just trying from the pain of my heart. I'm trying to tell you what I felt. Okay. So I would just allow the devil to win. You know, and we're not conscious of the fact that there is something happening behind the scenes that we do not know. And we need to call upon the higher power, which is the power of Jesus. Because the Bible says the name of Jesus is above every other name. And we have to use this name to our advantage and we need to fight this battle. So that was just what I was trying to chip in to what you're saying about this spiritual warfare. I think, I think what I encounter a lot, a couple things. I have two thoughts, but they're big thoughts. One, a lot of Christians have undue fear regarding the spiritual things, spiritual warfare, because they don't, they don't, they don't understand it. They don't, you know, they, they understand we did battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, but they don't know what that means. And so then they have undue fear. And I've had people say, oh, Satan's after me. And, you know, they're just terrified of, of the spiritual things. And their life's, their life sometimes is a wreck. Um, and what they, and they associate, they associate everything to an attack of the enemy. Um, and sometimes the things that are going on are related to sin in their lives. And I think sin ex will open up chinks in your armor, allowing the enemy to attack. Mm -hmm. And so the number one step in spiritual warfare is submitting your life to the Lord Jesus. That includes things you think about. So, as an example, the Ten Commandments, at the Ten Command, God commanded them, "Don't commit adultery." But Jesus said, "Don't Sir. think about adultery." Mm -hmm. And Sir. the Ten Commandments said, "Don't, um, don't, uh, don't murder." But Jesus said, "Don't even, don't even gossip." You know what I mean? And so why? Because that thinking, when you think about sinful things, that opens up, um, that opens up you to a spiritual attack. And so you have to, this is a battle, a battle for me. You have to submit not just your life, but your thoughts to the Lord. And, you know, you gotta, you, and this is what you watch on TV or your phone or, or um, what you listen to. You got to put good things in. You got to think heaven thoughts. And when you do that and you raise your kids that way, that's the first step to raising a wall of protection over you. Now, that's one thought. The second thought, I should have, for this pastor who was going to lead worship and lost his voice, I didn't pray protection over him. When I assigned him, when the Lord brought him to me and I said, yes, you can lead worship, I should have had a team of people praying protection mm. over him. So what, what we do, what we do sometimes is we go to a, a church service or maybe a conference or a spiritual training. And it's a wonderful time and we're worshiping the Lord, but you know, beforehand you kind of fight with your spouse all the way to church or the car broke down or, Something happened, and you don't even associate it with spiritual things. But you, anyway, all this negativity happens before, and then you go to church, or you go to the conference, or you go to worship, and it's wonderful. 
and then you leave and then you find yourself scrolling the wrong thing on on social or or looking at the wrong thing or thinking the wrong thing or you know something happens and you you cuss or you like suddenly like like whoa what happened that is spiritual warfare man that is it's the attacks come before and attacks come after how can we don't cover a prayer shield you know, before a conference or before church, how come we're not always committed to protecting ourselves or our people who are ministering with? Like I had a, let me just be real clear. I had a blazing headache today. I don't get headaches. I, you know, I woke up about one in the morning, about one in the morning, a blazing headache. I, and I'm like, what in the world does this come from? It finally occurred to me about three in the afternoon. Oh, cause we're going to be talking about Jesus on this podcast. That, that's why I had the headache. Guess what guys? The headache's gone. Amen. I had a headache all day. I mean, I had to like six Tylenol, you know, t- six pills all throughout the day trying to get this headache to go away. I drank coffee. I drank I did everything you're supposed to do to make headache go away. Man, it was blazing. I, I didn't think I'd be able to form a sentence before we started talking. Well, it's gone. I knew it was spiritual. And like, I didn't know I didn't put it together before about three o'clock, you know, but when I really, I think I commented in our chat. Oh, I know what, I know what this is. It's, it's, you know, and then I started worshiping. You know, I put some worship music on and was worshiping and trying to get my thoughts collected. It's it's when we it never stops. I mean, so I mentioned earlier before you're on, Gabriel, how I had ministered to at a new age pagan convention, okay, where there were witches and and um you know, mediums and psychics. It's loving on people there and I had a friend who was with me who was a seer and we, you know, we had a great time doing this stuff. And then when we left, I was wiped out. Oh, there was like four hours, but I felt like I had been in a marathon, man. And we went to a restaurant. I'm eating, I'm drinking a milkshake and I'm just like, man, dude, I am tired. I just, I am wiped out. He said, Doug, they were all over you. You were being compressed on every side the whole time. They couldn't get to you, you know, because the Holy Spirit and stuff, but they were, but it took effort. And now that you're here, you're able to relax and you didn't realize all the energy it took. And I'm like, wow. So this year at that same fair, that new age pagan thing was here in town. I was, had not been leaning into the spiritual disciplines. Um, and about two days beforehand, my friend said, are we going to go to this? I said, no, we can't. Because, because I I wasn't I wasn't where I needed to be. Um, look, I hadn't fallen away. I was still a believer, no. but I hadn't armed up. I hadn't done the heavy lifting of fasting, of praying, praying in tongues, of you know practicing ministry to other people out. Like I hadn't been doing that for months, and and I'm like, no, you just so that's you know you're setting yourself up to get hurt to go into an environment if you're not armed up, you know what I mean? So it's like disciplines. This is why they say it's discipline. It's not spiritual fun. It's spiritual discipline. You've guys, you've got to lean into prayer. You've got to lean into scripture reading and you got to get friends. It's not a one man, not a one man show, man. It's the three of us need to be praying together for each other. Other people in your chat. I mean, you need to have for the podcast, you need to have warriors around the world. Think about it, man. You have someone here in Nigeria. I know you have a friend, I think in South Africa, 
somebody, I think in Australia, New Zealand, here in the States, that is like around the world prayer for, for your ministry. And we need to take it seriously. We, I mean, the enemy takes our enemy takes prayer way more seriously than we do. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you didn't take it. I mean, I've kind of like my discipline has been lax and I've, I've been working on this book and trying to get it through. And the Lord's been telling me the reason it's so tough, Doug, because you haven't been disciplined. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know Lord. Mm-hmm. He's like, well then stop using it. Like I started going to the gym and he's like, good, go to the gym and now go to the spiritual gym too. You know, pick up that Bible and start praying and, and journal. And so like the Lord's been speaking to me about journaling, you know, I, I journal my prayers. I do better that way. So guys, ladies, whoever's listening, this is, it, Jonathan said earlier, it's a war. It is a war. Come on, are you gonna are you gonna send in the troops with baseball bats, or are you gonna send them in with firearms? That's okay. I don't. That's too violent of a metaphor. But you know what I'm saying. Like you gotta send your people in with the right weapons. And you know, and and that means where you're going to work. I'm not saying you have to go in and you pray for people at work here, but you just represent Jesus and just know that I'm planting a flag here at work and this is sacred ground. And, and that means you need to get armed up beforehand because you don't, most of us can't see this stuff compressing on us, you know? So I, uh, I don't know. Spiritual warfare is important. And here's the thing. I'm going to go one more, can I go one more place? A little teaching about this. Absolutely. I want to get a little quick little five minute teaching on, uh, what's he say there in that passage? Let me look it up real fast. It's in Ephesians 6. Um, let me just call it up. I'm going to describe what these things are real fast and how and, and how Jesus defeated them on the cross. Okay. I'm going to pull it up in the Bible here too, the new version. Yeah, it's Ephesians 6, 10. I have my Bible here too. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 12, right? Ephesians 6, 12. I'm just going to go ahead and start talking while you look it up. But we wrestle. I'm reading from ESV. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Okay. But against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness and against sports, spiritual forces of evil, four things, in the heavenly places. All right. What does that mean? Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers. And spiritual forces of evil. Well, you know what? I've looked it up. This is this hierarchy, this spiritual hierarchy. Um, all right. The word spiritual. So the first thing is powers, right? Spirit over, we wrestle that, we, uh, the rulers. The word there for rulers is archon. We'll get to it in a second. The next word is uh, authorities. The word there is, I can't say it. It's in Greek. Exousius says authorities. The next word is cosmic powers. Cosmocrator, which is a great word. Cosmocrator. And then the last thing are uh, spiritual forces of evil. Pneumatica poneris. Basically, they're demons. All right, so that's the lowest level. We're going to skip over demons because they're easy to deal with. The next level up from them are the cosmocraters. Cosmocraters are cosmic powers. Cosmic power is, I have my notes here, and I don't want to do it from memory, so let me just, 
I mean, cause I want to get it right. The cosmic power is. I have it backwards. Cosmic power. The cosmic power. Are. Let me start with. The cosmic crater. The world rulers. And then. The world rulers, these are spirits associated with astrology, and they're the they're sources of power used to rule over people. Like astrology, you know, is like where you give your, your destiny over someone, over a spirit to rule over you. That's what astrology is really about. A spiritual power that you, you give loyalty to. So like if I were born in May, I might say, I'm a Taurus. Well, that's a god, okay? You're saying Taurus has power over my destiny. Well, you know what? If you're born again, your power is Jesus. Okay, just for the record. So, um, but anyway, these are world rulers. They they define destiny and they enslave people's mind and action. So an example of a world ruler would be like uh, like pornography, like the spirit behind porn that, that rules people's sexual identity. Okay. Um, another, that's a cosmic creator, the world rulers. Another are the uh, authorities. Authorities are spirits with power over a specific area. Oh, actually, I would think, I take it back. Authority, yeah, authority is power over a specific area. So an example is like if there's like, if there's like rampant drug use in your town, there's an authority over drug use in that town. Here in America, we have big issues with racism in some of our cities. There's an authority. It's a spiritual power. It's a spiritual authority over racism, like in Chicago, for instance. And over parts of the country, um, I guess you could argue that you know the spirit of violent crime over some of our cities, spirit of gambling. These are these are authorities. They're they're mid level uh, spiritual powers. And then over them are the archons. Archons are are um, you know they're the princes. They're the, they're the territorial spirits, right? That govern like a territory. So you have like the archon over like over like uh, the U.S. or over Nigeria over. Over, you know, they're the big, they're the big power, you know, or you could say an archon over Illinois, over Chicago. Here in, in America, we say we're ruled by liberty and justice. And so a lot of the issues in our country, and we even represent them with idols, right? We have the Statue of Liberty and we have justice and all of our, all of our county, county courthouses have little idols of justice. And a lot of the conflict in America is is between liberty, freedom, and justice, law. You know, we have this conflict going on in America. And so you see that. It's just, that's, a, that's an archon. Okay. But underneath the archon are different other um, authorities. All right. So now, well, this is all the spiritual stuff in the background going on. So let's think about Exodus. When God sent Moses and Aaron the the 10 plagues were designed to take out the gods of Egypt. That's what it says. The gods of Egypt. It says it just once, but it says it. They were meant to take out the gods of Egypt because if you take out the gods, you take out the, the government basically, and then that would free the people because the government is are the human representatives of the gods. So you took them out first. So the first thing that Moses did is he challenged the world rulers by casting down Aaron's staff. Right? 
His staff became a serpent. Pharaoh did the same thing. Their sorcerers and magicians came out. They drew on the power of their world rulers. They did the same thing. That's that, low, that's that lower level spirit, world rulers. They did thing. They drew on power and they create. But then Aaron's staff or Yahweh's staff swallowed up the Egyptian world rulers. All right. So that shows Yahweh was over. Uh, he was he had the power over the Egyptian world rulers. Next, he demonstrated the power over the authorities. The authorities of Egypt had power over the river, frogs, insects, livestock, health, weather, agriculture, and the sun. One by one, each plague took out one of those mid-level authorities. Now, now the highest level is the Archon, which was which was um, was it Ra? I think Ra was the highest Archon, the the, the highest god. Who Pharaoh was the physical representation of Ra. Yep, and guess what? The firstborn of every oh, Egyptian. That's... Is dedicated to Ra, was dedicated as a priest to Ra. The firstborn of animal, the firstborn a human, or the priest to Ra, the firstborn of animal, all that was dedicated to Ra. So what did God do? Took out the firstborn, took out the priest of God, and then um, the protection was the blood, right? So the blood of the of the lamb that granted protection. It was a shield. We call it Passover, but I think the word would be better des described as protection. Mm -hmm. So if you were not under the protection of Yahweh, then that meant you were dedicated to Ra. You had to have a choice. Who are you going to choose? So people, I've heard people say, they, man, God is so awful killing the firstborn of Egypt. Like, no, they had a choice. They could have chosen Yahweh. They didn't. Yep. They chose Ra. After seeing God, after seeing Yahweh take out the authorities and the world rulers, they still were loyal to Ra. Ra has been powerless for weeks. And they said, oh, we're going to be loyal to Ra. Now, not all of them. Some Egyptians put the blood of the lamb on and they belong to Yahweh. So the war against the gods of Egypt resulted in terrible physical effects. And so when we say spiritual warfare, there are physical effects. Well, Jesus chose Passover to die. Jesus chose Passover to die. And when he died on Passover, the early Christians came to see that as God's defeating the world rulers, the authorities, all the archons, because he is waging war against them. And you have a choice. You can be under the blood of the lamb, or you can be the, under the blood of whatever world ruler. And, the, if you're under the blood, if you're under the power, the protection of the world ruler, under the protection which is evil, then your destiny is death. But if you're under the power, the protection, the blood of the Lamb, your destiny is life. Jesus chose Passover to die. He chose it. He was. It wasn't done to him. He chose it because he was taking out not just the Egyptian gods, but all the gods, all the spiritual powers. And so we, when we allow ourselves to fall under the authority of a drug power or pornography or racism or violence or lawlessness or whatever, you're choosing to step out of the protection and that lead, uh, of the blood and you're choosing to just be attacked. You're, you're allowing yourself to be attacked that way. And as a Christian, that's just silly. Just step back and surrender that, surrender that 
to to the Lord and then get back under the blood. So anyway, I don't know if that helps at all, but like these hierarchies, I th- I think were represented in the original Passover where God just took out the gods of Egypt, all the levels under them. And, and the new Exodus, which we are under, Jesus took out all those powers and, and he is drawing more people under the protection of his blood as we go on. But you have to choose, you have to choose to put the blood on. If, if I may, if I may chip anything in, okay, um, I think Dr. Mike Etza, if I'm correct, I think Dr. Mike Etza was wrong, talked about yep. uh, reversing, reversing Herman, yep. Amor, Amor, or something like that. Um, I know, I, I, yeah, yeah, so, you know, he was talking about how Christ challenged you know, the, the, the powers to be, the powers of this world, you know, when he was saying, I'll build my church on that mount, you know, he was, he was telling the disciples, he said, uh, on this mount, I'll be on this, you no, know, this rock, I'll build my church. Okay, and the gates of hell would not prevail, prevail. And then there he was really talking, was challenging the powers of this world, and he's telling them, I'm going to do this. Okay, and as, just like uh, he said, you know, everyone who comes under my blood, or everyone who comes under this world I'm doing mm-hmm. is protected, and there's nothing you guys can do about it. Okay, then he mentioned how, how Moses challenged the gods of Egypt by laying down the rod. So I think these things come together, you know, it's, it's giving me ideas, okay. Like how how the Lord sent us into new territories, and then one way or the other, it gets us to challenge them. Okay, for instance, you get to a church, you know, the church is not working and it's it's dead, and you 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 have ideas about probably going for evangelism or bringing the people in the youth group together or the main of the church and say, come, let's pray. He was talking about prayers. I said, let's let's do something. Then you realize that Satan will try to kick against you. Okay, because you're challenging them, you're challenging them in the name of Jesus, and you're saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this in the name of Jesus, I'm gonna worship Jesus Christ doing this. Okay, and you know, this power will rise up, probably it might be the elders of the church, and they will say, No, in this church, we don't do that, we don't go for evangelism, you know, we don't preach, you don't we don't uh, we don't go to uh, things like this and we don't do this and that, and then you're challenging them. Okay, so I think I think I think the Lord leads us to do things like this, and we don't have to be scared. If we are under the blood of Jesus, I don't know how it works. The you know the cultures yes, are different. They are. I think this this powers are everywhere. Okay, but in Africa we in Africa we encounter them real time. I remember one time like that. Uh, I went for missionary missionary to uh, outreach. I think it was 2013 or so. I was staying in the university then, and then we went for this. We went to this church. This uh, it was a missionary uh, post. Okay. So the church was overseeing about four or five villages like that. So the man was stretched. He was totally stretched and his, his family was under that burden. And you could physically see that the devil was oppressing the family and keeping them from working for Jesus. Okay. They, mm-hmm. they, lost, they, they lost about three children at that time. You know, you know the, 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 about three children died. Okay. And then the church was no longer functioning the way it's supposed to. Members were no longer coming to church. And then things were, you know, uh, a little bit hard, okay. And the family itself, you know, was under the the yoke of, you know, they were living together, but you could see that they were kind of separated. So I'm I'm talking about the the pastor's church, the pastor's family, okay. So when we got there, we realized that, you know, 
there is something going on. Satan is preventing you guys from doing the work here because they were be, be, they were in the midst of unbelievers. This were Muslims, dark Muslims. You no, know, this this. Uh, Fanatics, mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's it's very hard ministering just in that those kind of areas. So, so, yeah. So it was very very difficult for this man and the wife and the husband. You know, they were only living together. The love was gone, and the church uh, brothers. It was so hard, it was so hard. They tried as much as possible to accommodate us, but we could see that the devil was at work in this family, and we prayed. Okay, and we prayed. We prayed for the church, and it was a real battle. It was a real battle, and we had to call the man and say, "See, if you are going to make this work, first you have to come together as a family and pray." Okay, but we I discovered one thing that the man couldn't pray, the pastor couldn't pray. So we had a video together, and as we were praying, the man sat down and slept off within thirty minutes of prayer. And it was it was a shocking experience, okay, to find someone sleep off in the middle of prayer like that. Okay, so you could see demonic oppression over the family. Okay, so that's that's just uh, uh, one of the expensive experiences I've had. Okay, are you with me, guys? Hello. Uh, I suspect he's rebooting. I think so. <laughs> I I felt an attack too when that right when that happened. I felt an attack. Mm -hmm. Um, that 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 principality you were talking about, the, the generational thing, was trying to yeah. convince me that I'm a military man. I'm like, no, I'm a kingdom man. I, mm -hmm. I'm I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm the one Jesus loves. That's what I was saying in my head. After that thought, there we go. There you are. Oh. Yeah. Good. You were you were describing you were describing yeah the warfare of um going on with that family. Mm-hmm. Did it again. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, people in America think that, think that these things don't happen here. Mm -hmm. But they do. They just are more blind to it here than. Um, than the majority world, actually. <laughs> yeah. Because here, we've grown up under materialism, you know, um, yeah. secular materialism, somewhat like of an atheistic type of um, educational system and government. and But underneath that is Satanism, you know, and under, underneath yeah. that is, is occultism. 
Well, now the church, now the wet America at least has embrace is embracing monism. All those yeah. one, and it's a form of it is paganism. Mm-hmm. Um, the the concept of uh, you pre exist as an eternal soul, mm-hmm. um, that is your true self, and then you are placed in a body, and sometimes you're placed in the wrong body, maybe by a mean god, maybe just by nature, and but your truth is within which is why people are manifesting as the opposite, you know, gender or even as animals, furries, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they're saying, well, the truth is within. And that is, that is a fundamentally a religious statement. Um, and the U S government is the federal government is fully on board with that religion. Yep. I'm putting the whole force of the U S government behind and forcing that religion at every level of that it's involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a fundamentally a religious statement and um, I'm glad because it is so fundamentally false <laughs> that that's the same basic worldview that the Roman empire had when Christianity kind of spread throughout. So this is our opportunity um, to, to engage it. The truth is not within my friend. The truth is without the truth Amen. is other. The truth is Jesus. Amen. And he is not part of the cre- He is not created. He is not part of the creation. He is separate. He incarnated, mm-hmm. um, uh, but that does not. But he was—he's not a created being. And God is separate from God. Is not one. I'm sorry. You're not God. The microphone's not God. The computer's not God. You know, the tree is not God. The earth is not God. It is God is separate. He is other. He created. He does not need us. Doesn't rely on us. Um, which is a difference between um, the God. Because we have a triune God, He has community within Himself, Amen. and He invites us into the family. He wants a family that need it, but He wants one, yep. and that's that's why we're you know that's why we're, we're we get to participate. Um, that is our that's the gospel. That is our message. That and I that's what I'm feeling more and more passion about um, talking about that, teaching Christians to to understand where the transgenderism and where where um some of this is coming from because it's it's religion it's it's a religious statement and you know people say well we have science now like you missed the point it's not about science it's about religion it's always been about religion and we just need to we need to um, engage the culture um that way because when people people know the truth isn't within and um but just but but the holy spirit can speak to them can really can minister to them. I mean, God loves transgender people. He loves furries. He wants them to understand the true identity though. I had transgender people in my youth group and um, my, my last youth group, I was a volunteer pastor in. I had a couple of kids who were transgender and they brought their other transgender. I loved them. I took, I took on their um, whatever, whatever pronouns they wanted to be called, whatever names I called them that. And you know what I did? I preached identity. I preached, Jesus, I preached Genesis one Man. through three. I, I just preached it, just what it said in the beginning. God created a male and a female. This whole culture is trying to separate that, right? It's trying to get rid of separation and get rid of division. Um, God made things separate. He separated animals, and uh, my AirPods are going to die here pretty soon. They just beeped at me, but um, yeah. But anyway, so that's the next. That's our next conversation. That's the next thing I'm yeah. going to be really. Once the Sierra book is done, I'm. I really feel passionate about teaching people. We don't need to get mad about transgenderism, my friends. We just need to talk about Genesis, talk about yep. our true identity, and um, 
that Jesus will restore people who have, and I did that by the way, I, that's all I did. And, and at for long, these kids set aside their transgender identity and they embraced the gender God made them. Um, and I love them throughout the process. And that's where we need to be. Amen. Um, we, so. Speaking the truth in love, you were preaching the word. That's the thing. Preach the word. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is really awesome and he deserves our best. Amen. He deserves our best. He deserves our best thoughts and our best actions. Well, I I really think this is this has been a blessing just to expound on these things and ex, and explore uh, the gospel and its implications and how it how we um, how it informs our spiritual warfare and, and you, yeah, you I, should, I, I want to mention. Yeah. That the bit I gave about the powers and the authorities and stuff, that'll be in an appendix in my book with all the sources. So I didn't invent this. I, I did read that into Exodus. I've not found that anyone else who's done that. I'm sure someone has. But describing them, I, I have it sourced um, in scholarly stuff. So that'll be in the in the book. It'll be in an appendix. It doesn't need to be in the main text. But I want to get it out and I want to source it. So anyone who has like. Absolutely. I didn't. You know, I didn't uh, d- describe it well. It's it's it'll be better. <laughs> it'll be better in the text, so for sure. But it's helpful to understand. There's a reason he he said those things. He wasn't just talking. And then when we say we wrestle not, like we need to think through what are we saying, you mm-hmm. know, and why. So anyway, yeah. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jonathan. I just felt like I wanted no, to. No, please. Um, I just I, I I want you to be able to share whatever you can and whatever you want to before those ear before those AirPods die. <laughs> oh boy hey let's send in prayer and then uh we'll do we'll do this again awesome heavenly father you're amazing i just you know you you called us to be priests we are born again we are first we are the first childs right we are the first children all of us men women boys girls we are we are your representatives. We are your ambassadors. Yes, Lord. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what you've done. Yes. What you've made us, what you called us to be. Yes. And man, it's awesome. And I thank you. I ask for power to live out the calling you've have for us. Mm-hmm. Jonathan for Gabriel. God, I ask for an, a special anointing on him, especially mm-hmm. as he's stepping out in, in power and love. Mm-hmm. I ask for more of your presence, more of your, your, um, more of your mind on his life, mm-hmm. more of your, your fingerprint actually like your fingers coming into him and through him as he steps out where he goes is holy ground where he speaks. He can pray and release your power and your, your authority in the community, community there. God, I ask for discipleship, um, discipling, making words and actions there in Jonathan's new church. Mm Mm-hmm. 
there needs to be a word for that. I don't know what the word is, and I'm too tired to think of one. So discipling, making actions and words that uh, the discipline is developed and that we make disciples there. And I ask for that too in my life here, um, where I lead my family into a, our own small group experience um, back where, you know, wherever it is, I think I know where you're calling us to. And so we step into there that we can be in submission to you and in your will and in community here. Cause when we're in community here, we're in community with you, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that's what it's about. This is not a Lone Ranger thing. This is a community thing. God, I ask all this stuff in the name of, of Jesus, who is so amazing, so good. Amen and amen. Lord, I, I just want to just pray in a special way for Doug and his wife. Uh, what's your wife's name, brother? Overmeyer. What, what's your wife's, wife's name? Why say, oh, Amy, sorry. Yes, no problem. Um, yeah. Lord, for Doug and Amy, oh God, I just um, I just pray that in a special way that you would empower them, continue to empower them, and 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 and, and just grant them a, a greater portion than they've ever had before, for what you've called them to do, O oh Lord, and for just uh, just a deeper intimacy with you, a deeper abiding in you, a deeper uh, 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 resting on your altar, on your, on your, on your altar of consecration, Lord. Um, I pray that you would continue to just uh, lead them, guide them and give them wisdom, give them uh, your strength, give them your supernatural uh, ability to do exactly what you want them to do in the moment, every single day, Lord, um, as they follow you, as they walk with you, Lord. I pray for their family. I pray for their children. I pray for their ministry. I pray for their church family. I pray for all their folk, oh Lord, and all their generations. And I pray the same for uh, Gabriel and his family and his ministry. Lord, bless them, oh God. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Be with them, oh Lord. Surround them uh, with your holy angels and uh, and your holy fire and 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 f- continue to fill them with your holy spirit with your holy word um and may may you continue to give them words to speak in season and out of season lord uh your words oh lord uh your gospel lord um that they would uh speak only what you want them to speak he, that gabriel and his minister uh, his, his ministry uh friends and family would only speak what you would want them to speak lord please give them wisdom give them knowledge give them understanding and please uh, continue to teach them what you want them to learn, Lord, and that they would apply it and and live by it, Lord. I pray the same for um, for all of us here in, in the uh, spiritual things group and um, and everywhere else, Lord. I pray for the body globally, Lord. Please protect us all and please make us fruitful, Lord. May we bear a hundredfold much good gospel fruit as we abide in Christ. Please forgive us, Lord of falling short. And we thank you for your forgiveness that was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus shed on Calvary. We thank you, Lord, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing in all creation, no creature can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I pray for everybody listening to this podcast that you would grant them you, Lord. Grant them you. Grant them your Holy Spirit. Grant them salvation. Grant them uh just an overflowing of your Holy Spirit. I grant them, I, I pray that you would grant them your power, Lord. Just grant them you, Lord. Grant them your Holy Spirit. Grant them the gospel, Lord. For they and all their loved ones and all their folk, all their generations, oh Lord, until you return. And we welcome you back to this earth. 
with shouts of joy and praise as we're raised back to life, Lord. And, and thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, brother. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Yeah, man. Love you, bro. Love you, too. All right, we'll see you. Yeah, we'll do this again. You bet. Sounds good. good.